This is The Real Deal, where real estate meets real life. Whether you're a seasoned real estate expert, a first-time home buyer, or if you're simply passionate about hearing small business stories, this is the podcast for you. Join us as we dive deep into the world of real estate and beyond. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our 14th episode of our podcast, The Real Deal, where real estate meets real life. I'm your host today, Ryan Hatcher, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Randy Dix. Randy Dix. Thank you, sir. And we are going to be interviewing our other co-host, Jimmy Nigliani. <laughs> That's what Ryan said. Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> So today is kind of a special day. Um, she has interviewed both of us in the past. Yes. And we want to know and want to want her to be able to tell her story, Janine, about how she got into real estate and how this all came about. Because this year is a special year. It's our 10th year in business as a company, the home selling team. And that's no easy feat, not only to be in business that long, but to thrive and to be a top ranking team in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So why don't we kick it off, Janine? Tell sure. us, tell us what many people may not know about you, and tell us how you got into this game of real estate. Yeah. So I, once I graduated high school and was in college, I was working in the hotel industry, and my dad frequently nudged me to get into real estate and said, you know, you should get into real estate. You would be good at it. You can make a lot of money. And I really loved my career in hotels. And it wasn't until I quit working and was a stay-at-home mom, I did that for seven years, that when I was pregnant with my son, I thought, you know, maybe I'll go ahead, get my real estate license now. That way I have it for whenever I want to use it and just kind of do it part-time. And then from there, um, when we moved out here and we're living here. Where did we move from? Yeah, so we moved here in 2006 from Orange County, California, and we were the first in our family to move out here. And living out here, one by one, everyone in my family started moving out, which is a total blessing, by the way, to have them all here. Mm -hmm. I feel so grateful um, because it was a huge step of faith, us moving and leaving our family. That was like a very hard decision for us, but we really felt like the Lord was leading us here. And look, he really was. And we have a total of six daughters and a bunch of son-in-laws and grandkids. So and, it was a big and now deal. their families yeah. have moved out to yeah. in-laws. It's just amazing. Like what, cool. how that affects others anyways. So moved here in 06, was a stay-at-home mom, and then everyone knows the market just tanked. My husband got laid off, and we really struggled financially, and I mean, really struggled. We had our second daughter, and it was just getting to the point of, you know, we need to make a change. So uh, Ray said, well, let's move back to California. I can go back to school, and we can live at my dad's house because he was gone half the year anyways. So we kept our house here, rented it out, moved back to California and lived there for two years. And I really hated it. It was so ironic that we had moved back and everyone had moved here and we were there alone. I felt almost, you know, so lived out there and then I got pregnant with our son and I just, I wanted to be back in Arizona. Arizona felt like home and I wanted to have my baby there. And so we still had a tenant in our house. My husband didn't have a job out here, but we again took another step of faith, moved back. We lived at my parents' house and the plan was we'll live here until Ray gets a job here in Arizona and then we'll move back into our house. 
And we, and our tenants were on like a month to month at the time. So we moved in. And as I was ending the near or coming to the end of my pregnancy, I just wanted to be in my own home. So again, took a step of faith, gave our renters notice, moved back in the house. And for about 17 months, Ray worked in California, commuted and was gone for a week to two weeks at a time and would drive back and forth. I lived here. We had my son. That was a high risk pregnancy and it was very difficult. And then after I had issues. And so it was just a really hard time. So that was in, my son was born in May and then in September on Labor Day, my mom was in 2012. And in September on Labor Day, my mom was staying with us recovering from a surgery and she had a stroke right in front of me. Literally, I like held her off of from on the couch from falling because she just totally went limp and was going to fall off the couch. Long story, but totally radically changed her life forever. And so then I became her essentially her caregiver responsible for her financially. And so we had just tremendous pressure. You know, life is full of ups and downs and hard times. And that was one of the hardest times of my entire life. My husband was working in California. I had a new baby. Plus I still had my two other kiddos. And then now I'm taking care of my mom and we're strapped financially. And so I was so thankful that when I was pregnant and living at my parents, I had gone to real estate school. Hmm. And so I never took the test after that point because towards the end of my pregnancy, it got really difficult and there was just so many moving parts. And so I just said, you know what? I have to do this. I have to do this now. I want to help take the burden off my husband financially. Now I have the added burden of my mom financially. I need to get my real estate license. So it took me three times but I finally passed it. I was so happy. I still remember, and probably like all of us do, you know, getting our license. Which is good. I think the average attempts to take that thing is five Mm -hmm. or six. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It took me three times. Yeah. Don't ask that was in California. Then when I came out here, I got it the first time. That's okay. Good. That's good. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how many times it took me. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I remember that weekend too, just random. I literally stayed in my pajamas the whole weekend. The kids were playing outside and I just sat at the table and just memorized everything. To me, it was just memorized. That was it. Yeah, I tried to learn it. it. Couldn't do it. It was just, let me just memorize this. Right. Memorized it. Anyways. Um, and then, yeah, I just started doing it. So when I started, I was so thankful to have my dad and he really just showed me the ropes. And so I, wait, so wait, before we get into that, yeah. I'm curious, what was your reluctance when he was first prodding you years ago? I loved hotels. It? Really? I loved it. Okay. It's such a fun, I mean, that's a, I could plug that. It's such a fun industry, mm. but when you have kids it's 24 yeah. seven, truly. I would get calls in the middle of the night for issues because hotels never close. It just wasn't conducive for having a family. Yeah. And that was one of the things that was really attractive with real estate was I could do it on my own terms, on my own schedule. And I didn't have a flexible schedule at all. I was still nursing my son when I got my license. So I would have a few hours where I, in between nursing, where I could get a babysitter that I could say, okay, this is the hours today that I can give to real estate. So my question to my dad was, what's the most effective use of my time? And his answer to me was door knock. You just door knock, door knock, door knock. And so that's what I did. I got 
I, I remember sitting with my dad on a listing appointment. I remember holding that house open. I remember door knocking for that open house. Um, that was one of, uh, the first listings that I was able to contribute was the guy, one of the guys that I door knocked said, no, you know, I'm never moving. And then he ended up getting relocated a couple months later and called my dad because he remembered I had door knocked him. But now hold on before you go any further. I think that people will have this preconceived notion about what door knocking is. You don't need to be salesy. Your, your objective is not to get somebody to uh, list their home or buy your home that day. You're out there developing relationships is primarily what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And there's a subtle way about doing it. And the, go the key to door knocking successfully is to do it constantly, daily, for a long time until you really build your business. And nobody can sustain door knocking if you're at every person's door pitching them to do something that they really don't want to do. Again, you're out there looking to develop relationships and building those relationships. So back yeah. to you. Good. And you know, side note, I got a call today from someone who's signing up to be, uh, to do the garage sale this weekend. And she said, I just have to tell you, Janine, your marketing is on point. She's like, you guys are consistent. It's classy. She's like, I get it all the time. I love it. She's like, from your flyers to your door hangers to the pieces in the mail, like she knew it all. Good. It was well, such a compliment. I want to spend some time on that in a little bit. So we'll come back to marketing. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I want you to talk about mm -hmm. is what that first time you door knocked, mm -hmm. what did you have in your hand? Because that's kind of significant mm -hmm. compared to what we do now. I think it, honestly, I think it was the open house for and that. Was, mm. And it was black and white. Oh, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was black and white. I mean, I had no money <laughs> and yeah, it was like, how do I get these flyers made for free? I think, and this is kind of another tangent, but one of the things that I look at my career that was really helpful were there are strategic people that spoke into me and that believed in me and that I had meetings with that were very influential in helping me. First and foremost was my dad. He always encouraged me. You know, there were times where I would door knock and he would just drive up and just be like, Janine, you're a badass. Like you're going to kill it. And I was like, I love that. You know, it just encouraged me to keep going. So so that was awesome. Um, in Angela, our title rep, I remember meeting with her very early on. And that was, again, something that you suggested, Dad, was, Janine, I want you to meet with these key people. Right. I sat down with Angela. She had great ideas. So she was really helpful with the marketing mm -hmm. and kind of helping put a vision in place of like what you can do with real estate and how to do it. So that was awesome. Um, so she was a, a key part that helped with the flyers and things like that. Okay. So... We were just talking before we started that most businesses fail within a certain amount of time. And you'll see different, different statistics. Most businesses in general are, are done in five years. And in the real estate game, it's even more than that. We're talking 80 to 90% I've, I've heard in two years. So re realtors that get into this, this world thinking all kinds of different things, um, oftentimes it's, I love homes and I love mm -hmm. people, so I'm going to be a good realtor but they don't make it. So what do you think yeah. the key reasons why they yeah. don't make it? I Well, why they don't make it? Yeah. 
What are, what well, are the mistakes or the, the things that they don't get right? Yeah. So let me answer that with what I did and then I can bring that full circle. For me, I was soup. I had a huge why. I was motivated hardcore to make money for my family. To pay your bills. To bring my husband here. I wanted him to be able to live in Arizona and not have to commute to California. I wanted to help my mom have, you know, the best life that she could have with whatever she time she had left. And she's still with us. Um, so I had a huge why. And so it really motivated me to be super intentional. I just had blinders on when I had that time. There were times where dad and I would go out door knocking together and he'd be like, I'm not feeling it today. And I'm like, well, I got a babysitter and we're doing this. And so I got to finish this, you know, and my goal every time I would go out door knocking, because that was my lead gen was I just want one contact, like one person to give me one morsel of something, Mm -hmm. you know, to hold on to. And that was what kept me going was I knew statistically one in every eight people are thinking of moving. So let me talk to at least eight people because one of them, the first time I remember door knocking and someone said to me, yeah, we are actually going to be moving, but you know, we already have a realtor. I didn't know what to say. I was like, okay, good luck. And I left. And I told dad after I said, dad, this is what she said. And he's like, okay, you need to write her a note card and tell her you'll offer her a second opinion. Long story short, I did. She called me. We got the listing from offering a second opinion. So super cool to see those things come to fruition. And it was so so a huge why is number one, what motivated me. I was super motivated to make this work. Um, Number two, I was consistent. We did it every week. We were out there honestly, like three times a week door knocking. And it was one to two hours that we allotted. We planned for we time blocked, so to speak. And we went and did it. And then I never gave up. And I did that consistently month after month after month. Also month 11, I remember after doing it, it was like a little pop. And all of a sudden these calls were coming in. It was like, oh my gosh, it's working. And what I see so often in this, again, to bring it full circle now is I see realtors that they quit right before because they're like, well, I've been doing it for 10 months and nothing's really happened and they give up. And what they don't know is that win was just around the corner had they kept going. Right. So if I could interrupt, studies show that it's the 11th month that things turn. And like you, I mean, in my career, I've seen people come and go in this business thousands because they don't stick with it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. Consistency is huge. And I, we did the same thing mm-hmm. every month. We were out there consistently leaving ma- uh, marketing pieces, door knocking the people. And what is so, so cool nowadays is when I do door knock now, people open their door. I know who you are. Mm-hmm. I love what you do for the community. It's amazing. Yes. So I think realtors give up too quick. They aren't consistent and they don't have a huge why. This business is tough. You know, we talk to new agents all the time. Again, to your point, Ryan, they think, oh, I'll just get my license. I really like looking at pretty homes. I right. like people. That's it. And unfortunately, that's not it, right? It's a yeah. tough business. It takes grit. Um, Let, and you got to, yeah. If I can interrupt, there's another uh, reason why I think so many realtors fail is because they don't have anybody to mentor them. In other words, let me go back to Janine's statement where she said that the person said that they already have a realtor. Instinctually, I would say to that client, I understand you have another realtor and I respect that, but food for thought. Uh, I would love to offer you a second opinion about what the value is of your home. And this way you have something to bounce 
ideas off of with this other realtor and see how we compare. Maybe my number is much lower than theirs. Maybe theirs is much lower than mine, but at least it, it serves your best interest to get a second opinion. And that people get that. And so that's what I told Janine on that one particular buyer or seller and sure enough, she got it. So a lot of realtors who don't have anybody out there to school them through those particulars uh, is another real reason why I think that they fail. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, even what you were saying at the very beginning and who you were meeting with, nobody does this alone and is mm-hmm. successful. No mm-hmm. one. I, even if you're a solo agent and you're not on a team and you're mm-hmm. the only one in your family doing it, you will not be successful unless you create those relationships of people that are already doing it mm-hmm. or that are key people in this industry that can yeah. help you. Or you're I making think- your battle so, so hard by not having somebody there who is who is seasoned in this business to help you through those those maneuvers that you need help with. Yes. Yeah, I think for me that was a huge part of my success was my dad. You know, at the end of the day, I did the work, right? It came down to actually who's going to do the work and I did it and I did it well. But that to having said that, I would have I skipped like a whole bunch of <laughs> mistakes and failures yes. mm-hmm. and all of that because right. I had my dad there to mentor me and to lay it out for me. This is how you do it. And honestly, what you taught me is what we taught you, which is what we teach all of our agents of how to go about building a business. Mm. And I really love it. I feel so grateful. I, I've told my dad this. I feel like I get to use all of the skills that God has gifted me with. And it's just amazing. It's a very, for me, very fulfilling career, which I love. I would have never known that. And I love that I get to do it with my dad. Yeah. And Ryan. Absolutely. <laughs> the whole team. Yes. The bro. <laughs> the bro. Um, so let's go back to marketing. So I also think that that is an area where a lot of agents miss it. Because either they, they don't put the money into it or they just don't have the high quality, nice looking marketing that stands out. Mm-hmm. I remember when I moved into the neighborhood before I even thought about doing real estate and seeing the home selling team's marketing, it to me instantly was different. Mm. And I wasn't even paying attention because I had just bought the house. So I wasn't selling. I wasn't thinking about moving. But it was different. And I remember that. So help everybody understand that transition from day one when you started mm-hmm. to now where we are today. Mm-hmm. What what did the marketing like? What was your your plan and your goal with that? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Before you do that, I'll share because uh, I always find this fascinating. That when I first moved out here from California, I'd been in real estate for 28 years in California before I came out here, and I started from square one again. Uh, I would go to the office when I would start my month out of door knocking. I would go to the office, and I would uh, I would have a black and white master copy, and I'd run off a thousand uh, black and whites. And then I'd sit and staple the corner with a rubber band. And I would, that would be my door, door knocker piece. I would go out with this black and white copy uh, of a piece and um, knock the door. If they weren't home, that rubber band went around their doorknob. And so we've evolved from doing eight, eight, black and white eight and a halves made on uh, just your simple print paper to something significantly different. And she'll share that. Yeah, so we... Um... It's, it's always changing, I feel like, a little bit. Like, I think we're yeah. always trying to fine-tune and get better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's always changing. But what we do 
now is we do our monthly infographs that we mail. We do door hangers on every listing coming soon, just listed, just sold to a hundred at least of the neighbors. And then we also do a monthly door hanger. So we're touching, and that's a really important piece to all of this is touching people in different ways because different people receive information differently. Some are visual, some are hearers, some are seers. And my example I give all the time is, for example, my husband will be home random off days because of his fire schedule. So if something's hung on the door, it's more likely that he's going to see it than me. However, I'm the one that loves getting the mail. So I'm going to see what comes in the mail. And let's be honest, our mail is junk mail a lot of times and they get it. They look at it for a whole, what, 10, 20 seconds, and then they throw it away. I'm okay with that. Um, I just want them seeing us consistently Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, there they are again. That's another thing. Speaking of consistency, that's really important with all marketing is that it all looks the same. So we're all branded up today. I love it. Our logo's on everything. It's prominent. It's clear. Yes, it's consistent. And that is huge for people when, when 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 they're seeing your marketing is that they see it and just immediately, well, there they are. It's that reticular activator. And we hear this a lot. People will say to us, I see you everywhere. You're every Everywhere. We're really not, but that's the impression mm-hmm. because our logo is so prominent and then we layer it. We do yep. a variety of different well, things. It's just like the listing. Every listing we have, we're, we're hitting three different door, no- or door hangers on a hundred right. Right. neighbors around that every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I Sometimes I get tired of wearing this, you know? <laughs> And, but I wear it every day. Every day. Because I want people to see Not the it. same one. He changes it. <laughs> so that's really important. It really I is, agree. especially in terms of farming. You know, you want that brand recognition. Mm-hmm. And and we've, I, it's just really cool to see that we've done that. And, and the other kind of layer, which we haven't talked about that we do, is we're really involved in the communities and serving and giving back. And I think that was another key to the success was networking within our community and getting involved with community events and being visible as much as we could to say, hey, look, we're here to stay. This is our community. We want to serve you and give back to you. We're not just here to take, yeah. which is then you know how the food drive was born was we want to do something and do good with our neighbors so what can we do and that's how yeah speaking of events we do about 18 different events per year 18 to 20. um what is your favorite one oh they're all fun and different i love the ones where we just get to interact i'm super pumped for cornhole for a cause can i tell you i think it's going to be so fun So I love that where we get to have fun. My family's almost always at these events with us. Like how amazing is it to do business that way? So basically for those that don't know, it's a cornhole tournament event that we put on and it's a charity event. So we are, we we get a bunch of businesses to donate money and then they sponsor lanes where they'll have, we're looking at them now actually, all of these cornhole boards that have their logo on it that they'll get to take home after the event. But then we, we raise a ton of money with the silent auction and, Mm-hmm. The tournament and all kinds of fun Raffle stuff. Raffle prizes. Raffle prizes. And, and these and people it, get to come yeah. and have fun. And last year, we raised 20 grand. 20, 20 grand. grand for Amazing. a little boy who had who has cancer. Yeah, yeah, so pretty awesome. This year, it's going to be for? House of Refuge. Right. Yeah, super pumped. Yeah. That's so, a great organization. I want to say a couple things. First of all, my favorite event is the food drive. What's your favorite event? So that one's up there. I yeah. I, I have a hard time saying one is my favorite. Okay. Um, because I have their favorites for different reasons. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like I love the garage sales yes. because yes. I'm taking people donuts. Right. And they love it. Yes. Right. And it puts a smile on everybody's yeah, they're, face. They're pumped. Right. 
Uh, the food drive is extremely meaningful yeah. because we, every November, we are able to stock House of Refuge uh, right. pantry for six months. That's, that's a big that's deal. Amazing. But then we do all kinds of fun things like for our clients, like the, the, we rent out, yeah, yeah. and brews for Valentine's Day. We'll rent out a movie theater. Yeah. The movie theater. Lots of birthday gifts. Even the ice cream event was so fun just because people are so happy. Well, and just this morning I came from Ridges Elementary Mm -hmm. where my wife and I set up a little soda bar as a appreciation thing for all the teachers and faculty there. So even little things like that are super fun. Cool. I have, I want to kind of move in a different direction for a moment, but I'm curious of the very first commission check you got, which Mm. was precious. How did you feel about that at that time when you picked up that check and you looked at it? What did you think? Okay. So this is going to, I don't remember that. Is that weird? I don't remember it, but what I do remember is the feeling of the financial pressure being lifted Mm. and feeling like, wow, I don't have that tremendous financial pressure that I've had on me for so long. We struggled for years. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the most amazing feeling. And then to bring that full circle, one of the coolest things that we were, I was able to do, um, which a lot of everyone knows Ray's story of being a fireman was when he wanted to go to the fire Academy, which would mean having us quit, stop working for a period of time. And we would have never been able to do that. We were paycheck to paycheck counting on him to provide for us and to be able to offer the ability for him to do that was amazing. So I am so thankful for what this business has afforded me. I I, feel blessed. I have another kind of direction I'd like to go with, but before I do, I'd like to ask you, what did you think that first paycheck you got? Do you remember? Absolutely. I'll (laughs) tell you why. I'll tell you why, because it was almost the exact. So I, I started real estate working part-time and I was full-time. Sorry. I was full-time in my previous career. And I remember that first commission check was almost to the penny, the exact amount as my yearly bonus oh my gosh. in that company. And I just thought, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and so for me, it was, it was an epiphany. Incredibly yeah. rewarding feeling, oh, gosh, right? Yeah. Unbelievably yeah. rewarding. So, okay. So what, uh, and I'll ask you both this question, but at some point well, be, between the time you got your first paycheck and now there had to be a point where you thought, oh wow, I've really, I'm really mastering this. I mean, I really can count on being able to produce an income to take care of my family and give back to the community. Was there a point in your careers that you felt that transition from, from just uh, uh, working as hard as you can to get a, to get a sell a house, but to actually realizing that I can do this. I mean, was there ever a period? Yeah, I think for me was when we bought our house that we're in now, because we almost lost our house before we were struggling to keep the mortgage payments going. And so to not only still have that house and have it as a rental property, but to have a house where it was, you know, almost twice as much as what we bought our first house for. It was like a, that was like a wow moment for me. Mm -hmm. of just like, Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. you know, my life is so different now. Yeah. Well, I've had a couple different ones because my, my why changes mm-hmm. and my goals completely changed. Mm-hmm. Like I remember making $50,000 extra was my original, my original goal. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that was like silly. So then by the time I got there and so then it just kept going and it wasn't just the money piece, but I remember, you'll remember this when I was in, we were in our, our first house here, the air conditioner went out 
Mm-hmm. And you I said, do. isn't it nice that you have the right. room to pay for that? Right. I didn't have to think about it. Because AC units are very expensive. Yeah, it, was, it was an $8,500 <laughs> expense yeah. that I didn't have to worry about. Yeah. And, and by the way, have. just to say a word regarding Ryan, you know, he has exploded in his growth. And you've been in the business, what, four years? Four, yeah. But you really exploded year two around there? Yeah. I'm, I mean, when I say exploded, made six-figure income. You know. Well, what's crazy is, um, and I think about this every day, I, my second year, I tripled my highest salary in my previous career. Beautiful. But I was in, at the time, 12 years. That's awesome. And, um, it, but it, it's back to what we were talking about earlier. It's having the right people mm-hmm. that you're working with. And for me, it was working with one percenters in the industry. Mm-hmm. And it was a no-brainer for me. Yeah. And then you guys pointed to me, <clears throat> but then doing the work, mm-hmm. right? Going out and hustling. Right. And I remember just working so hard, and I started to look up again. Like I'll tell you, I was looking at my spreadsheet of my transactions, and sorry, <coughs> it's emotional, right? <laughs> I need some. Anyway, I was I was just kind of had my head down. I was working and just kind of grinding, and then towards the end of the year, I looked at. It, I'm like, whoa! I didn't realize I was that you know, close to my goal. And then I hit it. And, and so anyway, Beautiful. so, but it's, it's being around the right people. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of agents struggle because they don't mm-hmm. find the right people to work with, or they don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a million ways to do real estate yeah. mm-hmm. and we do not buy leads. Mm-hmm. Right. We do geographic farming and we right. work our, with our spheres and our events. Right. And to me, that is the most gratifying way to do it mm-hmm. right it is fulfilling mm-hmm. and it's more relationship based right sure. versus just picking up a phone calling people until somebody sees exactly right and to expand on that a moment uh, the idea of having somebody call you and say hey i know you guys are the dominant force in our community uh, we'd like to hire you to come out and sell our house right off the bat you've got that built-in relationship yeah. and so when you go to that appointment to conduct your presentation it takes the pressure off. It makes it such a, a significantly more enjoyable experience than if you have to interview against three or four other people and you got to sell yourself. You know, you've yep. already got this built-in relationship because of your presence throughout the your community. Credibility, right? For sure. Well, I think another mistake that that young agents especially make is they worry too much about splits. Mm, yes. yes. So, right. I'll give you an example. I mean. It, Somebody might have an opportunity to work with a, a person where they get an 85% split. Right. Mine was 50-50 when I first mm-hmm. started. That's right. I didn't care because I knew I was starting from ground zero and right. I needed the expertise and the training and I wanted more volume so mm-hmm. that my learning curve would get mm-hmm. reduced mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. And it did. Yeah. And so, um, it, again, it's, it's, no, it's find the people that you want to emulate. You want to emulate mm-hmm. and, and create the same business that they're doing. Yes. So I've always thought it was silly that when you want to know something, why not ask somebody who knows? Right. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to have a good marriage, it's probably not a great idea to talk to somebody who's been divorced 10 times. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead, go go talk to the 75-year-old couple who's been married for 50 years and they're still holding hands. Right. You know, that's impressive. Or somebody who wants to know about a certain <clears throat> religion, you might want to talk to somebody in that religion, right? Or whatever it may be. But in real estate... Talk to people who are doing it. Right. That reminds me back in, uh, I've been in the real estate for 44 years now. Uh, back in California, after about year 10, 11, uh, there was no real formal training back then. So I got to a point in my career that I just wanted to really get, I wanted to become the best at what I was doing. So I 
I knew of about seven or eight really top people in the Los Angeles area that were doing really a large volume of business. And you guys have heard the story. I contacted them, made an appointment to come out and take a half hour of their time and extract from them what they were doing to build their business. And all these people like us, we would be very willing to sit with anybody who wants to understand what it takes truly to build a tremendous business. And so it was when I sat with these seven, eight different brokers, top per performing brokers, that I got all of their information and I put it into a system for myself. And that is the time, it was 1987, that my career significantly shifted. Okay, so Janine, yes. tell us if you can sum up the last 10 years mm -hmm. of this company, the home selling team, what is the most important thing you've learned? <clears throat> most important thing or I've a couple learned. things maybe mm -hmm. that may be hard to get down to one I think one of the things that's kind of I it's come to me I should say as I've done this is just the the opportunity that we have as realtors to play a part in a really big part of someone's life and when you do it well how much of a blessing that can be to those people so mm -hmm. to me I feel passionate about being the best at what I do to serve my clients at the highest level because I feel like that's my duty. You know, they've hired me. And so I say this to clients all the time. You know, my goal is to get you every penny out of your home that I can. And when I represent you as a buyer, it's to get you the best deal I possibly can. One of my coolest stories was a client who I uh, worked out with her and she had her house listed with another realtor and wasn't able to sell it. They were also under contract on a new build and that contingency period was about to end. And that new build was their, what they said, their dream home. We came in, listed it, sold it. And they asked to take my husband and I out to dinner when all was said and done. And the husband at the time, and still I'm still friends with them, is just more quiet. And at the end of the dinner, he spoke up and he said, Janine, I just want to tell you what you did for us was so awesome that we were able to take the extra money that we got from our house that we weren't planning on getting and bless each of our kids with it. Mm. And cool. he specifically said, you know, we paid off this person's car. We got this car repair done for this one. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And that is those kinds of stories that really motivate me and drive me to be the best at what I do because I see how it blesses my clients. So that's awesome. Yeah. So one of the things that we're proud of is we can often get our sellers more money, mm -hmm. um, sometimes 3% more. And that's that's a pretty strong average. So what would you do with another 60 grand? Right. I mean, that's a lot of money. Can I share a quick story? I you, neither one of you guys know about this. Uh, uh, a tax person that I know came to me a couple of nights ago and said, hey, Randy, I have this client who sold their rental property and then uh, bought another property, but they are now faced with paying income tax on the gain because they screwed up. What should have they done? Oh and goodness. I said, well, they should have done what's called a 1031 tax deferred exchange. Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is now they have $100,000 in gain that they're going to be taxed mm -hmm. on at their ordinary income that if they were represented properly, that representation would have put them into a 1031 tax deferred exchange. And so they're crushed. Uh, because they didn't they didn't know and they weren't advised properly and i'll give you in contrast to that 
I have a, I had a couple a few months ago who they had owned the home for two years, roughly two years. We were selling their home and we were scheduled to close on February 21st of this year. When I finally got the tax records that showed me when they bought it, they bought it February 28th of 2021. So that means if they closed on the 21st of February, they would be taxed on their profit, which was significant because they had not completed the two-year ownership. So we ended up going to the buyer's broker and negotiated an extension of a week on that deal so it would close on the 28th. Thus, they met the two-year guidelines. They get all that money tax-free. So you got that one extreme that I did to, in comparison to the other extreme where the agent didn't know and never, therefore did not advise them properly. And now that customer is getting stung bad. Hmm. That's like uh, reminds me of clients when we meet with them and they have an idea of what their home value is and we tell them something different. Sometimes it's better mm -hmm. and sometimes it's worse. And what I always find ironic is when they don't hire you because you didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. I think sometimes that's actually who you need to hire because mm -hmm. we're not afraid right. to tell you the yeah. truth. And we're here to look out for your best interest. It would harm that seller to list at the inflated price. We know that. We know that that is harmful. They end up chasing the market down, selling it for less, and they're stressed. That's a stressful process. Yeah, big time. Sometimes we advise them not to sell the house because mm -hmm. right? it's in their best interest to keep it. Mm -hmm. right. So right. That's actually how I got my first rental property. Our first rental property was telling my client, you shouldn't sell this. You should rent it. And he's like, no, I, I want to sell it. You should buy it. And I was like, I should. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did. So let's wrap it up. I will say this. This is something I'll say. Please. One of the other things that I think has been amazing and like a gift from being in this business for 10 years is the people that I've got to know and the people that I get to work with. And it is, I truly believe that nobody succeeds alone, that it really does take a team. We have an amazing team that supports us and often they're behind the scenes and don't get the credit and the recognition, but it wouldn't be possible without them. Um, Brett, Alexa, yeah. I mean, they're all working right now um, just to make us look good. And so I'm super thankful. Being in business with you, Ryan, is awesome. I feel like you're like my brother. Yep. I love you to pieces. I love your family to pieces. And it's been super fun. And then just the agents that we get to have on our team, Heidi, Monday, Lindley, Anna, it's just awesome to be in business with these people. And I'm really particular about who I surround myself with, but I really love, I feel grateful for that. So, That's awesome. and then and from I, vendors, vendors, they're friends. Yes. Oh, yes. Some of my best yeah. friends are other realtors and people in the industry. And that's just a gift. Yes. Right. So. And I'm excited about helping any of the agents that want to build their careers, giving them whatever advice I can to help them do so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything else you'd like to share as we close this out? That's it. Home Selling Team, okay. let's see what the next 10 looks like. All right. <laughs> 10th anniversary. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Real Deal, where real estate meets real life. Make sure to follow or subscribe to The Home Selling Team on YouTube, Instagram, and Spotify to stay up to date with our podcast.